Hey friend, welcome back to the show. This is Mo. Just a heads up, this episode you're about to listen to is in two parts. And we had to make it so just because of the number of things that were talked about. And I didn't want to like cut stuff out because it was so good. It took two years to finally get my friend back on the show. And it was a flipped episode in such that she interviewed me and we talked about some very deep personal stuff. So catch the concluding episode next Thursday. So what are you in for with this new episode? Well, a lot, actually, a lot of deeply personal stuff. And this time around, Chiamaka interviewed me and we talked about, you know, relationship, infertility, pregnancy losses. And so if you're new to this channel, if it's the first time listening to the podcast, welcome aboard. We share real stories here and a lot of them, although what you're going to hear today might make you cry, might make you sad, it's okay. It's part of the human experience. Above all, I hope you connect to something today and most especially don't feel alone if you if your journey mirrors mine. So yeah, enjoy the show. It's good Wait, to see you. Okay. Your Thank you. <laughs> Do you know why I just realized it's almost two years since our last one? Can you imagine, really? Wait, it felt like. Because my wedding anniversary is coming up, right? That's true. That's and true. the last time was when I had just come back but, and we yeah, came back yeah. maybe 14th or 15th or something yeah. like that. So it was yeah. that weekend. So, well, we're due, for, we're due for a two year follow up then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so please don't so, let it get to your head. You, know, you look beautiful. And that's I'm, all. Oh gosh. <laughs> like it. Even Yemi says it. He he said he has never seen anyone Chaka. that compliments themselves as much as I do. <laughs> We're gonna talk about that. <laughs> There's no space for others. <laughs> Hey there, welcome to the More Civil Podcast. My name is Mo. I created this podcast as a resource for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them to share stories and processes and build community around important issues. On this show, you get to hear amazing stories from people like you who show us how to get more out of life. The stories featured on this platform are by people whose journey I'm inspired by, and most importantly, people who have been courageous and vulnerable to be open about their life stories. And I hope that in turn, you'll find these stories inspiring. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. And I am super stoked about this person. I'll try to not use too many flattering words to, to describe them because if you know her already, she has more than enough words to you know flatter herself. So we're not going to be um, reinforcing bad behaviors. I have known her since 2004, which you know seems like a lifetime ago because it really is because a lot of things have happened between then. And we were once roommates, we were in college together. She was one of the very few people that I met in pharmacy school and we became fast friends. And we still keep in touch. She's, you know, she's awesome all through and through. And like I said, I'm really taking, I'm trying to not walk into the trap where I compliment her enough because she's going to use that against me in, in the court of her, you know, Royal Highness law. But, you know, as a good host, I try to give something back to my guests. So, <laughs> um, biting my tongue here. Her name is Chiamaka. I did pay back me one day and 
for those of us that went to college together, you're probably screaming right now. She is currently a senior pharmacist and independent prescriber. And congrats on she just recently um, got her master's degree in um, advanced prescribing, I think. And she recently went back to blogging on YouTube. She loves makeup and fufu. Chamaka <laughs> is a lovely wife to Mr. Yami Adikpegwa, and she's based in London, the UK. So everyone, oh, where are you based right now? Sorry. Southampton. <laughs> Oh, sorry. The same. I'll follow. They're all the same. I'll follow. She's based in the UK. And everyone join me welcoming Chiamaka. Or like, I like to call her Madam S. <laughs> can't believe I'm bringing my secrets to podcasts, eh? I'm my very private nickname. <laughs> but you don't know what S stands for. But you, do you know if somebody would know one day? <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for letting me know again. We were just saying earlier how it's almost two years since my last yes. time on the show yes. so and that was I'm a live happy. show by the way so it's a little bit yeah. of a different format yeah yeah so do you not do live shows anymore i still do them i just the last one i did was um last week i, I think yeah i still do them you know but you know with covid i try not to do yeah. them every time because everybody's on shows right that everybody doing live shows and it gets so overwhelming even as someone that consumes so i'm being mindful of my energy and my listeners energy yeah, no, I, I get you. So yeah, I'm very happy to be on the show again. But this one is a different one. Why don't you tell them how different this one is? It is different. So um, Chiamaka is going to be a chichi. <laughs> She's going to be, um, I'm going to be on the hotspot. And it's so important to know because we have this dynamic as friends where she teases me and I tease her. And so you're going to see a, a different side of me. And from someone that has known me for a very long time, she's going to be asking me the questions. And I know as a friend, she has to embarrass me because that's what we do to each other. So, <laughs> so okay, I'm, losing, I'm losing cool points from my audience because they're just going to make me laugh and just lose all of my professionalism. But I'm okay. here for it. I knew what I signed up for when I wrote <laughs> you on the show. All right. She has all the questions there. All right. Okay. Now, let me just start on a very nice note. First of all, thank you for letting me be on the show is so nice to actually be speaking because normally when you interview people you're asking them questions and i don't think except you know on the shows where you do one like you know where you talk about yourself but they're not many of them right and it's questions you already know is you know is topics you already know so you there isn't that what's the word elemental surprise exactly so today i'm sure it'll be different because you're gonna be interviewed (laughs) by me i have written most of the questions um obviously yes quite a lot of the questions are spanning different areas that i think people would be interested in knowing and things that i also am interested in knowing some of them even the ones that i kind of know the answer to i'm still going to ask them because i feel like people will be interested to know that so let's start with easy questions how do you feel being on the <laughs> Am I, am I your husband? I am blushing like that. Come on, put your face up. <laughs> How do you feel being on the hot seat this time around? So when you told me that, hey, I want to interview you. So you know you talked about, like, was it two weeks ago? But I, yeah. I just thought, okay, well, should, we should do it. And then yesterday, we were like, you know, I want to be on the show again. I want to ask you questions. And I got super excited because, like you said, it's a it's a novelty of it. And then, and I think there's a little bit of a dangerous element to it because I try to live on the edge. Because I know it's you, so I know you're gonna, you know, <laughs> give me my money's worth. So yes, um, I'm a little bit nervous, excited, nervous and excited about it, just because. Let's, so let's let's have a little bit of fun. Okay, cool. Hit me with your best shots. Nah. 
<laughs> no worries. And the good thing is, you, well, <laughs> I will ask you all the questions that I have prepared for you. So just still looking on, on the other, the previous question, have you been on another show? Oh, yes, I have. So, I have like podcasts like this one. Oh, yes, I have been. I have been. In fact, I did one yesterday with friends in your ears. And I think that's one of the good things about being a podcaster. And I always recommend my other podcast hosts to get on that post platform because it helps with that cross you know, promotion. Yeah. So, yes, yeah. I have done a couple. Not many, though. Not like, you know, in the, in the dozens. But I think I'm up to like eight or ten. Okay. So, now we're still talking about podcasts. And I remember when I first saw your podcast, I was like, this is really interesting. I mean, I don't, to be honest, I'm not a podcast listener, right? But I do listen to your podcasts. Uh, you know, some people, because I'm more of a visual person, right? So I like to see. So I do, yeah. you know, the ones that are live, I watch those ones. I like to see people's expressions. Um, but with podcasts, I have listened to them, like, especially topics that I am kind of interested in or I'm curious or I'm nosy about. So I do listen to these ones. So first off, when did you start? I can't remember what year it was. Well, what, what year did you start these podcasts? Time-wise, like putting a timestamp on it, it was 2018, which was two years ago. But I like to think that my podcast started way back when I was younger, when I used to listen to the radio a lot. Because, you know, radio gave way into podcasting for me. I'm a visual person, but I love that with radio, you don't get to be distracted about what people are wearing or their, you know, their facial gestures or their hand and things like that. With radio or podcasting, you just imagine and you're focusing on their words. And I think there's also that element of me trying to imagine what they will look like or what they will have sound or what they will have, you know, done, like gesticulated at that particular point they made. And that you know statement that kind of threw everybody off. So yes, um, I want to say it probably started way back when I was younger, but you know, timestamp 2018. Okay, now that's good. 2018. And <laughs> so, what prompted you to commence these pod- podcasts? Well, I think that. So let me go back in time when I was in grad school, and the good thing about being out of Nigeria was I got to meet people that. I had always been curious to know about their culture. So I was that child that read encyclopedias a lot growing up. I used to read a lot of books. I think you and I talked about that, our love for books. And so I'd always wanted to travel the world and get to know people. So moving to the U.S. was like relieving that dream I had as a child. Now, whereas where a book was making me transport, you know, thousands of miles away. So when I meet people, they're like, how do you know that about my country? I'm like, because I just know, because I've been, you know, not I've been studying for you guys all my life, but I just I was just that knowledge hoarder in a way. And so in talking to people, I realized that there was so much more we had in common that separated mm-hmm. us. And you know, in the U.S. with the you know, racial tensions, everybody tends to see the world as black or white. But I'm always like, you know, countries are countries, people are people. And so my idea for a podcast was just to get people talking, even people that, you know, I believe in something you don't believe in, but we can still have conversations about some of the things we don't agree with. And my friends think I'm a fairly good listener, even though I like to talk a lot. And so... Um, but all of that still didn't coalesce into a podcast. But then I remember when I was in grad school, myself, my husband, and two of our friends, we actually wanted to launch a podcast. We gave it a name. We had got all the gadgets. And you know the kind of person I am. You know, let's get things done. We had recorded a session. And then the next one, I was like, hey, guys, we need to record more. And they were like, ah, I'm busy. And then those that died. And so that was 2014. And in 2017, I got a call from our friend, Tammy Yashawa. She's like, Tony, I need to talk to you. I was like, here again? Because I knew when she, there was a tone she had with me when she went to talk about something that was about me. And so I picked up the phone. She was like, she sent me a video of a YouTube vlogger that was based in the US. And the girl apparently just bought a house from her YouTube blogging, vlogging ways. And she was like, you know, that could be you. And I'm like, 
I don't like video. Or like you, I don't like video. I feel like there's something about it that sucks the soul out of you. I don't like appearing on videos. I didn't think I had the, the presence or the confidence or the charisma. And she was like, but you need to be more out there. Like, I feel like you're holding yourself back. Like, what is up with you? Like, be more out there. And I think she had that leverage with me because I, I write a lot. And so the way I write, people really connected with it. And I think they wanted more from me. But then I knew that with my daddy issues, I just couldn't be out there without having to like be authentic. Because if I was going to do it, I had to be real. I had to be authentic. And yeah. I didn't know then that God was trying to help me resolve my daddy issues, which I know you're very aware of. And so I knew that that was the only barrier. Because she's spoken to me many times about this. But that particular day is sunk in. And I knew they had to talk to my dad about the unforgiveness. I didn't know it was unforgiveness at that time. Because I just thought, you know, I don't just talk to him. I don't care much about him. But it was still a, sh- a shade of unforgiveness. And so that's another, you know, um, focus for the listeners. You may have forgiven somebody, but I don't think you've totally forgiven them. If every time you think of them, there's this, you know, I don't know how to, there's this darkness that still lingers about their names and, you know, their thoughts in you. So, of course, I went through that whole process of having my friends read my letter because I had to write a letter to my dad. Um, to kind of tell him just... And I talked about that on episode 14 of my yeah, um, 2018 exactly. episode. So guys will listen to that. And mm-hmm. I always thought, but that was the first time in my life having that long conversation with my dad. And in getting to know him, I realized that he was also a victim of so many things. And so up until that point, he was a villain in my note, in my storybook. And in talking to him, I just broke down a lot. Because this person I had, you know, made into an idol, a villain, wasn't that. He was just a flawed human being. Like, I, like I will be with my kids... And so that really broke me down a lot. But I remember the release I felt. And I, yeah. I'm not a very, you know, dramatic person in terms of, you know, you're feeling miracle, you're feeling the spirit of God. But I'll tell you that in that moment, something broke inside of me. And I felt that release to create more. And I didn't know it was holding me back until I had experienced that freedom. And I can tell you my life before then and my life after then and the difference it made. So for those that have like maybe a family member that they are holding, explore that. You don't know how much things are. I mean, if I didn't have my podcast and the things I've helped people accomplish, and this I have accomplished through it, I've been missing a lot of just like my purpose in life because this is this is a part of my life right now. And so, in talking to my dad, I was able to get that freedom to go forward and create because there was no way I could come in front of my mic and tell people to set their stories if I hadn't, you know, chased my demons out of the closet. If I hadn't had a deep look about myself. So yes, when I did that, everything else just you know, the rest, as I say, is history. <laughs> That's really profound and I remember reading or listening to the episode we have had and I was really curious about it because you know I'd heard um, so much about him and I remember how much you look like him physically yes you do <laughs> you do so it was really sure, what every girl likes to hear you look like your dad <laughs> <laughs> I still remember one man where it says when they say girls look like their dad <laughs> Chama come by the way is a queen of memes. Your WhatsApp status is oh my gosh. <laughs> when are you gonna do another meme meme weekend? I, I steal your memes, so hurry up, hurry up. I, I always store them. I steal them from everyone else. I know, I know. I steal them from you and I repurpose them. I know. It's people. <laughs> anyway, but no, that's really profound and I think what you said is really powerful. I mean, with that, you know, talking to parents, because you know, with African parents, right? maybe it's not just african parents but generally some some parents especially the ones who grew up back in the days and they may not have had a relationship with their own parents it kind of filters down to the way they bring up their children and they don't know that there is an issue so even 
with you being bold enough and brave to be able to speak to your dad about that, I also applaud him for being um, open and accepting of it because you know how men can be so. Oh yeah. Then some fathers might just say that's your problem. Like that's not how I feel, you know, and just cut it short and that's it. And then that would even put you in a worse place because then in addition to maybe any unforgiveness and you're having resentment as well and anger yeah all together that just makes everything a bit more complicated so i really admired how he was so open to it and you know when i see his comments on your post like it's just the cutest thing ever because you know how dads you know or, or moms like on whatsapp status they send you all the bcs and everything oh, and he's just like, oh yeah. God. but you know it's yeah. too thing that they can do that and i just yeah. like it you know it's just the way to express how proud they are so that was good i think in a way you've already answered one of the questions i had for you but let's move on now let's talk about career so in case i get this wrong but it's not wrong you are an assistant professor in un- of pharmacy in university of oklahoma correct yes yes correct <laughs> <laughs> so remind me now when did you go to the us 2011 okay 2011 and so talk us through briefly because people don't like too much area <laughs> brief <Ouch. laughs> i know you went in to do I, I think from nigeria did you apply directly to have your phd was it a phd mm-hmm. or you wanted to do a master's and then progress to a phd it was a phd directly and then i got my master's along the way Oh, yeah, because you have to do it together. Okay, cool. So you went with that for PhD um, from Nigeria. So you kind of had an idea of what your goal was. So how has this journey been? Like, obviously, appreciating that someone's come from Nigeria, different educational systems that we've had, and then moving to the UK. Obviously, I know we talked about this in one of the episodes because I watched the episodes we had before, and we both talked about, you know, the difference in education. But I wanted to know, you know, getting to the point of being an assistant professor in the University of um, of Pharmacy in the University of Oklahoma, um, how has that journey been? Because obviously, you didn't wake up and become an assistant professor. No. Um, to keep it short, it's been full of challenges and it's been full of rewards. And mm-hmm. I didn't think I was going to end up in as I love to teach. I mean, mm-hmm. if I go back now. I, I, there was actually the handwriting on the wall, but I, you know how you're living your life, but you, you don't know until things start coalescing and then you now go back and I'll be sounding like one prophet. No, like it was very unclear. Like it really was, but I really give a lot of credit to the mentors and people around me who saw all of that go. Because after grad school, it came to a point where I had to decide what I wanted to do because I had job offers from the industry and from academia. And I chose academia just for my love for my pursuit of knowledge on Hinge and on Untangled with, what uh, is the, entanglement stuff but I'm not going to do that untangled with you know um, just my freedom <laughs> and untangled you know pursuit of knowledge which was what you know made me go into academia but it really hasn't been easy there's so many barriers here being female in a male dominated world being an immigrant in a place where you're not from and also being black you know so there's so many layers to it but I give God the glory and I give my community the glory there's been a lot of support from you know, people that have gone ahead of me. And I give credit especially to a lot of women professors because even yeah. though we talk about women not supporting women, a lot of women have helped me get here. Because being a, f- a male in my field and being a female in my field is different. And if you're married and if you have kids, there are different layers to it. So I'm always big on community, like find people that can speak life into your dreams. And um, another thing is just consistency and hard work. Like you said, the educational system is so different from the way we grew up. And now I'm in a country where 
they're giving me like a no holds bar to my knowledge like you know telling the professor and talk back to the professor not talk back in a rude way but i didn't i wasn't trained in nigeria that way whatever the professor said what what, what you know you regurgitated back to them now i'm supposed to like think freely like no my mind has been in prison for a while now how do i do that fam but then you know i just had to see like like do like monkey see monkey do and i would look at my american country like how did they even think like that because to them the studies wasn't just what they're focusing they're bringing a lot of external sources so you had to read widely and then you had to you know um listen to what's going on in the world and i think being someone that loves to read a lot that really helped so yeah i think just to keep it short it's not been easy but it's been worth it and i i do enjoy teaching i do research in cancer and lupus and i love my job i love what i do and I'm, i think i'm going to be here for a long while as a spirit leads i guess no, I'm really glad to hear that because once you like what you do and you also get paid for it, even though there are yes. challenges here and there, yes. it's something that you, you know, you it keeps you going as opposed to even if you're earning millions and you have a job that you really, really hate. I know people say, oh, it doesn't matter. It will matter at the end of the day yeah. after a long time. Life. You're frustrated. Yeah. So it's always a blessing having a job that one enjoys, you know, yeah. and even though nothing ever comes easy and nothing would always be smooth, even if it has challenges here and there, knowing that you enjoy it and you get satisfaction from it is That's just it. really a blessing from God. I was also going to add, um, and I don't know if you're allowed to talk about this. So you also lecture students, don't you? I do, yes. I lecture pharmacy students and professional graduate students. Okay, so you know when you were talking about challenging professors in terms of, um, you know, their knowledge and what they're given, right? How, because, you know, when you're a student or a grad student, it was a difficult thing for you to navigate. And now that you're on the other end, how has it been like, you know, when students might just come up and say, prof! No, I'm kidding. You know, like <laughs> maybe they might just say, "Oh, actually, I don't agree with that." I think blah blah blah. You just be like, "Hey, well, you know, how, how, how dare you?" <laughs> <laughs> so, how has that been on the other end? All right. So, when I was in grad school, I was actually a teaching assistant, and I think those were good training wheels for me. I had to share the love of my Nigerian ways. You know how you can't even talk to your professor in Nigeria, like, "Yeah, students don't." There's so much power balance that has been tilted towards the students. I have had mm-hmm. colleagues tell me that students will literally tell them, you know, after all, I pay your salary. Like, or do, do, yeah, no, for real, for real. And there's so many accommodations upon accommodation. So I've just learned to simmer down because you can't, like, you know, you can't do gra-gra. You can't do, like, eh, on students. But um, I, I'm actually up for a challenge with my students. I like when they think outside of the box. And I think, for me, one of the things I've had to learn is that in, in them being challenging in a very professional manner, it helps me think beyond the classroom because... At the end of the day, I'm serving the students, right? And we're yeah. trying to come at this knowledge together. I'm not a custodian of knowledge, you know. Yeah. I plan to see it in them, and I want it to grow. And if that comes up in a, in a challenging way, I'm up for it. So even in my, my favorite class to teach is at, at the grad students because they are usually more mature, and they're not yeah. great focused. Like, you know, what am I going to get in this class? I want to study to, and they're teaching to the test. Grad students are different because it's a theory, it's a practicability of it. So I find like we're having more of a discussion than, you know, this is going to come out in exams. So, yeah, I think I have a preference for grad students. But it's, it's just follow the, the, the rules. And I have mentors yeah. for teaching as well, people that have been there before me. And so yeah. when I have a difficult... There's, there's always going to be a difficult student that wants to push your buttons. And so I, I, I have to learn to draw boundaries. Because even though I'm not from here, you're not going to take me for, you know, for a ride. I'm, I'm friendly, I'm collegial, but then I'm not somebody you can walk over. So you can't you can be rude to me. If you are, I'm going to, you know, follow you through. 
So students should know where you draw the line. Like, don't be too charming, but at the same time, don't you know carry a very because you're you're gonna review you at the end of a semester. So I try to yeah. make sure that I'm I'm doing things in the right way and I'm getting feedback and I'm getting you know that mentorship that I need. Yeah, and keeping a balance. Now that's really brilliant because yeah. I, you know, sometimes when you watch movies and you see some really dodgy yeah. students and you think, hey, no, God, they're different I- breed here. Like if you're from Nigeria, it's like even you know, in Nigeria, you can't even be talking to your pro- like professors are like gods, which there's a problem with that narrative already. Yeah, yeah. Even your normal lecturer, like you can't really just be the stuff because you will just feel basically you will like, fail you're even allowed to call your professors by their first names here like oh of course absolutely like exactly but in nigeria you, you like you want to die <laughs> i remember that's one of the things i struggled with like um calling people by name especially people that were way older than me, older like, than me yes <laughs> i remember that i thought it was acceptable to say dear ma'am you know like when you write an email because i remember my um, what's it called my supervisor my project supervisor when I was in my MC um, I didn't know what to call her like, I didn't know if she was married or not so I couldn't say dear Mrs you know her surname so I thought maybe I should say dear mom and I'm sure she was just like what in the world like okay. what is going on <laughs> okay like then, when I used to shoot out emails too like when I was trying to get into pharmacy school I'd be like why did they reply is it because I didn't say dear mom you know professor like nobody cares here like just they do don't it. really like, care yeah they don't they don't really care it's maybe immigrants or like call me professor right. call me doctor like I don't I still don't care really. nobody just don't be rude just don't be rude you know that's it okay so now moving on to more interesting parts <laughs> so let's talk about relationship and marriage because okay. girl you're, you're just bringing it all out like you're bringing it all out what do I, I like I about you? are super smart, and there's nobody else I could think of doing this with me because I know you're gonna get everything out of me, which I like. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to explore different areas I knew that will be interesting. Okay, so relationship and marriage. First of all, congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> what I'll try to form for this, see what's happening. Anyway, congratulations on your anniversary. I can't remember what Thank year you. it was. Nine years. Nine years. Nine years. Sorry? Nine. Nine. Marriage or in relationship? Marriage is nine. Relationship is 16. Oh, wow. That's what I was going to talk about. So nine years married and 16 years together. And of course, 16 years because I was there when it was in the... (laughs) You were in the... So, yeah. But I didn't... You know, now that you've said 16 years, it just sounds like... It sounds like a lifetime, isn't it? Yeah. Like it's such, it is so profound. Yeah, one of these, how, how, what are they saying? How do they say in CFG? CFG carry sister, so you can carry speaker, so you can carry sister. Is this which one? No, the one where they say this is a CFG special, or you know, when they're talking about people <laughs> oh, that got married. It's GD, it's GD, yeah. I can't remember. I can't remember oh, how many they used to say This is a CFG. Oh, God. Maybe it was special or something like yeah. that. I don't know, Shabba. Yours is the. Epitome of CFG. <laughs> so for those that don't know, CFG was a fellowship group in, in college, oh, and yeah. that's where we were together, and that's where I met my husband. Wow. Okay. So congratulations on your anniversary, both relationship and marriage. So okay. thank you. How I don't, I don't want to say how has relationship been. I mean, or marriage, because really, the question here is how has being in love been? Been. <laughs> that's the word. The sense of the the. the the operative word there being like it has to be yeah. a state that you have to maintain 
and I'll let you know that one of the so for those I don't know, Chamaka was the intermediary between myself and my husband before we actually started dating. He was she was a good <laughs> she was a good uh, between person going between person because my husband was kind of worried as because I used to say I don't date friends that people I'm friends with and so he had to go through her because we we're roommates and we're close and she was like I think she's she, I think she likes you so anyways I always have to put that there so thank you I guess. Uh, no, thank you, you little imp. <laughs> um, I think I also have another part in the relationship too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're not going to talk about that. Yeah, it's not no. <laughs> <laughs> Um It's it's been it's been a life lesson because with my guy issues and just the kind of personality I had, my fear about getting married was staying married, not because of infidelity, but because I know that was somebody that I felt like I couldn't commit my heart to one person just because I always got excited with something new. And so being prone to emotional cheating, I mean, physical cheating wasn't something I knew I would, you know, easily indulge in. Because for me, it's not about physical attraction. I'm, I'm more in love with the brain and intelligence. So I used to tell my husband, I wake up one day and I feel like I'm not in love with you anymore. And so when, before we got married, when, we, when he asked me out, it took me five years to say, because when he asked me out, he was like, I want to marry you. I'm not just dating you. I'm like, how dare you? know I don't want to get married, right? But I'll tell you that he's taught me a lot about love. And people see me now, I think I'm, I'm the one full of love. No, my husband is. Oh, because I know. <laughs> to him, he, he always used to say, and he still says, I chose you. And I used to hit that phrase in the beginning years of our marriage because it felt like I was a puppy he rescued from the pound. Like, oh, I chose you from the leader, and you know, you should be grateful. And I'll be so mad, I'll push his buttons. But I think he, the way he says it, like, it's a choice, you know. I choose to see past all of that. And he's not by any means perfect. Like, he gets on my nerves. I love him, and I can easily just not turn off that. But, cause, but that's just the way he, we are, and I think that's the way love can be. Someone that you love so much, you can be, you know, that way we But he's told me so much about being consistent and constant. And in that, even though you are not meeting the standard you should be meeting, I see something else in you. And I, can, I can't even talk about how that has been healing for me. And I think in the first years of my marriage, I was very toxic to him because I didn't know that all of my daddy issues were... Because I thought I was good, you know. You know, I was I was being successful. I was doing the right things. But emotionally, there were so many things that were going on. And poor guy took the brunt of so many things. And then therapy started on bringing him out. And I realized that it had to go with the dynamic I had with my dad. But it's not been quite an easy process, but I really credit him for teaching me. And of course, the Holy Spirit as well. But it's, it's been healing for me to be able to open my heart to love. And when I say I love this person, I really do. And it's not just the butterflies, you know, in my stomach. I mean, that's good as well. But it's the, we're doing something together. We're building something together. And for him, he's a man whose heart is, you know, in God. And marry yourself somebody like that. Because that's not what I do, what I say. He just, he just walks away like, you know, when I'm away, I don't have a conversation. But for him, he's like, he's focused, like he's very God-fearing. We are apart for three years in our marriage because he had to do his residency in New, York, in New Mexico. Um, some of my friends who I know that their husbands, you know, maybe sleep around. This, I you know what I'm like, no. The things we fight about are communication issues. Like, if you listen to our fights, you be like, this is not even serious. This is what you guys are complaining about. I never would worry about him, you know, sleeping with somebody else. Neither would he worry about him because I'm not doing it for him. You know, it's part of it, but I'm doing it because, you know, we fear God. So that to me is probably one of the sexiest things I found about Thai Lulu S. So yeah. <laughs> ah, okay, T Dog. 
I'm so sad he's not around. I know, right? I'm sure he'll be, he'll be nodding his head like that. And I know you always bring out the, you always make him love Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> they have a friendship, by the way. Chewbacca, my husband. Uh, no, that's really nice listening to um, love because people define love in a different way. And I totally feel you on how, you know, I, th- I in a way, I feel like men love more. Do you get, well, if, if you're lucky to find a man Everyone like that. that really loves you, yeah. Yes, I feel like men love more. They might not be as expressive as a woman might be, but they love more wholeheartedly and they are more... What's the word? I don't want to say stagnant, but they are more focused on that. Yeah. Yeah, yes, yeah. and they are not easily moved by shenanigans. Um, I guess yeah, that like, I was like, God, I'm like... Even me, I'm looking at myself like, why are you doing crazy? Exactly. Like, down. Women, <laughs> women are more... We love deeply, but we can be a bit finicky. But men, I just, men is not not up to the standard. Like when they do something, like how am I even married to you at this stage? <laughs> exactly. So it's 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 such a good thing to hear. And you know when you when we see or when I see my friends who are in love and have amazing husbands, it's just such a nice thing because obviously all men are different, and it just makes you happy because you know you're having a wonderful marriage and the best thing you're wishing for someone else is for them to experience love in their own way so knowing that just gives you that comfort you know it's just it it makes you happy because you're just you know happy for other people as well so it's really nice i mean it's not a surprise to me because i've always known taiwa anyway so it's not something that would be a surprise (laughs) that was lovely to hear do you know that podcast is going mainstream and that there are many people all over the world listening to podcasts daily? For example, in the US alone, one in every three persons listen to at least one podcast every month. Well, that's a lot of people. Do you also know that podcast listeners tend to be more loyal, affluent, and educated? Speaking of these virtuous qualities, did you also know that on a monthly basis, thousands of people all over the world listen to the Mossible podcast? Hmm. Well... Do you have a business, service, event, or product you would love loyal, affluent, and educated listeners to hear about? Then look no further. To promote your services on the podcast, send an email to talktomo at mossible.com today. Or you can visit our website at www.mossible.com. That is www.mosibyl.com. Moving on now, so since we're kind of in the same, um, what's the word, category, you know how, like, the following questions are, this is just generally, like, what people generally, I'm sure people think about this, so, you know, when when I asked you how long you had been married, so that's nine years, right? Yeah. It's natural, and I've realized that not everyone means in an annoying way you know most people are curious they think in fact most like even parents when they want you married it's not like they want you married they have a goal at the end and the goal is that they want to have grandchildren yeah so that's their main goal of course yeah african african parents yes (laughs) so that's their main aim so you get married is just a stepping stone and that is what they want and it's not abnormal for them to think that so it's just a natural all, progression actually you know it is isn't it and when we become grandparents or older i'm sure we would, it would be at the back of our mind too so maybe <laughs> a bit more sensitive in the way we might 
explore it with children yes. or grandchildren or whatever. But anyway, yeah. what I'm trying to say, because I'm beating about beating around the bush because it's Don't a really go sensitive. Straight to it. It's okay. I know. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to capture it in a way that I know would also help other people. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. yes, because this is a very sensitive topic as well. When people get how do you feel about when people get married and the first thing they're thinking about is or people being curious is you know do you have children or when are you going to have children that sort of thing how how has how have you coped with one when people are direct and indirect about it because people could be very insensitive sometimes how have you coped with it i mean that I, i feel like that question the answers have changed over the years depending on what state i was in and I would give credit to therapy, to support from friends, and of course, um, God as well in helping me be okay mostly to talk about it. I won't lie to you, like, so when we got married, I was gonna, my plan was two years to wait to get, you know, kids because I got married in August, sorry, in June, came to grad school in August. So I knew that it was gonna be very difficult. And then my husband and, and my husband was like, no, one year. So we kind of like, you know, we're still arguing, like, you know, let's wait, let's, I wanted two years, we wanted one year. But of course, man plans, and then I said, the, the, the time to make God laugh is when you're making your plans, right? And then <laughs> I started having some symptoms, and I realized that, okay, I had, meanwhile, two years before then, I had undergone um, surgery to remove cysts in my ovaries. And then it was like, you know, make sure you get married soon. And then he wanted to get married in 2000, and then I'm like, no, back off, guy. I'm not going to marry you right away just because you want to rescue my ovaries. So I had, I waited when we were ready to get married. But anyways, um, let me just fast forward. It, was, it used to be very sensitive for me because I know that the problem, medically speaking, lies with me. And so I have carried out guilt a lot in that I haven't been able to do this thing that my body wants me to do. Think about it. The, 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 I, I'm, I'm going to sound crude saying this, but the, one of the utilities of a woman is to take a seed and multiply it. That's one of the very good things we're good at. And seeds can be in many things. It doesn't have to be just kids. We're very good at multiplying and so when you hear of, when you watch movies, you know, it's easy to knock people up, you know, you just get pregnant, and then why is it not happening for me? And I think it was also more um, painful because it wasn't something that I really, really wanted, but I knew that at some point we're going to get it, but then it wasn't happening. And I've always been someone that got things done. You know, I, I, I look successful on paper, and then despite all of this, it's not happening. And my husband and someone I know, he is a great father. Like, he has, even though his job wasn't to be a father to me, it has been that way to me in nursing all my daddy issues. And I know that with kids, they would naturally gravitate towards him. So I know that a part of me felt really bad for not helping him, you know, achieve that goal. And so I haven't gone through all of the medical tests and the surgeries that I've had and, you know, a lot of it. It's so painful when people just open their mouth and say, why would you have had kids? Um, what are you guys doing? You know, and I've had some really crude responses like, oh, do you want to see how we have sex? We actually have sex a lot more than you think. You want to come watch us do it? Because some of them would just say, drink this tea, take that thing, say that prayer. And one of them was telling me about IVF, like I didn't know about it and I hadn't done it. And I'm like, we are in the medical field. Like you think there's anything out there that we haven't done? But I think every time, like most of the times I'll go back and cry about it. I was that person that even when my friends gave birth, I knew that whatever children were producing, it's not my child. It doesn't have my DNA. So a part of me wasn't like, even though I'll get a bit jealous, I wasn't like angry that they were, you know, having kids because I knew that those children were their imprints, right? 
But I saw sometimes yeah. left behind, you know, especially those that seem so easy. And then what does it mean by being easy? You don't know a lot of those stories. Maybe they've had like, you know, miscarriages in between. We don't know. So I've tend, mm-hmm. I, I tend, I think for me is, now I'm, I'm okay to talk about it. And I don't give myself like time was what helped me. I think it was just God. So I made a yeah. vow in May of this year to stop crying about it. Because it was, and earlier this year I had a very, you know, major surgery that, you know, almost cost me my life when I went to Nigeria. I had to have that surgery done. And I remember just sitting down in the theater room, just thinking about myself, like, man, more than 10 surgeries and here we are again, another surgery. And this time around, I think it's going to be the final one, I hope. And still, I don't have kids yet, you know. But I've learned that being a mom, anyone can be a, a mom in the sense of that word, but then you can also be a mother in so many ways. In the way you are nurturing people, in the way you are being mindful about people, in your friends' kids, they are invested in their lives. And I had a friend say yeah. to me, more, um, more our kids are yours. And that really broke me down. And even as I'm thinking about it, now my eyes are tearing. I don't have any biological kids to show for my effort, but I don't think my life is incomplete, you know? And I think that's what will make that mistake in life, that if you haven't gotten something, then you're being held back. I look back now, would I want anything in my life to change? Absolutely not. There's so much I have learned along the way. I've learned strength in God. I've learned to look at myself in a different way. I've learned to love myself more. I've learned to be compassionate and you know meet people in that point of empathy. Because if I didn't have this big thing in my life, given all the successful things I have done, I wouldn't have been able to slow down and be compassionate. Because I just think that if you want to get things, I'll go get it done. But guess what? If you want kids, it's not going to be from you. It's going to be from God. And who am I to question God? You know, whenever he says it's going to be, fine. Now, am I going to be okay if I don't have biological kids? Absolutely. Because I know that my life is beyond this. And even when I have kids, they're not mine. They're God's. I'm just that person to help that child not trying the way God wants them to be, you know. And so I'm not worried anymore about that future. I'm go- we're going to keep trying everything medically possible. We're going to keep pursuing until we get that release to not try. So we're still trying. We're still, you know, doing all the stuff and everything we're supposed to do. It's just not working out yet, but I'm thankful for the kind of husband I have. Um, the time he told me, you know what, no more IVF, just rest your body. Because, you know, I was putting on so much weight. My mood was all over because I was on hormones. And it's just, it really affected my health. And he was like, no, like, just relax. Don't, don't do anything for a while. And that's the kind of husband I have. My family, too, have been supportive. And I thank God for them because, you know, being African, you think about your family, you know, your spouse's family especially, because they tend to look at you like, how come you haven't had a child for, you know, so on. But I have, you know, one of the very, well, I have a very supportive, you know, in-law and, you know, they're quite, you know, very, de- they speak delicately about it and they're quite concerned. My mom has always been the person that I had to like, you know, fight about, like, mom, stop asking me all these questions. Like, for her, it was just like, she was just always on my neck. But we've, we've gotten to a point where she doesn't send me numbers of pastors to call, or, you know, Bible verses to pray into water and have my bath with and things like that. Because I thought, like, am I not complete to you? Like, I had to have that conversation because every time we talked on the phone, it was just about kids, 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 and that really started affecting me. So, yes, for those that are struggling, keep trying as best as you can, but please find something, you know, that you can anchor your life. So, like, there's so much more to your life than just, you know, popping our babies. And for those that even have kids, self, it's if you, if you want to be honest with you, there's so many fears they have. There's so many stressors they have about it. So whether you have kids or not, find that joy in your life. And please don't anchor it to something. Let it be to God. That's really it. If I could clap for you. 
<laughs> I will. That's really, really powerful and really interesting to listen to. Thank you. Yes, of course, I knew some of the things, um, but not all that you have said now. Um, <laughs> I guess you. people who are listening um, to it would hopefully be encouraged and also will be sensitive about how they ask things, you know, because I think. And I think because I think there are two strands to this. One, some people are just caring about it, right? And they ask, but they don't ask in a sensible way. That's all I can put. That's the only way I can put it in. And then the nosy, may I dare say, evil people (laughs) ask. (laughs) (laughs) They ask in a very horrific way and put one in like a, a very horrific place yeah as you said you know and most times people don't understand but i think the message here is everyone needs to be really sensitive like and i think people are changing now because obviously with um having children you know fertility and different things many people i don't want to say suffer but many people are dealing with it so most people would know someone who has dealt with it or they had gone through it when they have kids or if they are pregnant or something like so because of that they've been more sensitive in the way they talk but still people will still talk and you know sometimes and i've noticed this when people have achievements right people will say but she doesn't have children exactly close to it to them and that's not what i said that to me like i would be like not to your face actually i'm sure they're probably thinking about it but generally you know when people say things like that and i'm like okay fine that's true so before you had children, where were your own achievements? <laughs> I only learned that from my dad. <laughs> my dad used to tell me, like, you know, I I, I don't remember that my dad fought in the Biafra war, so his leg yes. he had limp. Yes, and then when I'm in primary school, he'll come maybe to pick me up and my friends say, Yeah, why is your daddy working like that? I mean, I never really noticed my dad used to work like like it, it was there, but it wasn't a focus for me, right? So I went to tell him that oh, look at what they're asking me. He said, Okay, do you know what? Next time when you go back to school, ask them in the Biafra world, where was your dad? Wasn't your dad under the bread dr- best drinking, Gary? <laughs> you know how my shop map is, believe it or not. You Next did. Time asked, I asked them that. Yes, I told them exactly that. And I have put that kind of approach generally, like, you know, but it's natural for people to just think now and be like, you know, but I'm sure most people don't think like that the thing yeah. is most people are very concerned and they concerned, have yeah. intentions and they are all written you know for you and for you know i'm written for you so much thank you so <laughs> it's you know it's, it's when and i like how you said like you know it shouldn't be a defining factor but i you know i'm, I'm joining my faith with you and i know that by god's grace one day we shall rejoice hugely in so many ways and you know it'll be a wonderful time and it would be a testimony amen. to encourage other people as well yes, who might go through that journey okay so we've explored that but we're going to go a little bit deeper so i listened to one of your podcasts about um trying for kids and stuff like that i think in the beginning before you were able to talk about it I wondered, but I knew that, I mean, if someone has waited for a while, like, especially when we're looking at, at the time, maybe five years, I knew either the person was trying or there was some things going on. And obviously it wasn't something I was going to ask if you didn't, you know, tell me. So when I was thinking more about infertility yeah. or like, you know, trying to get pregnant, but I didn't know about the 
miscarriage parts until you shared it, right? So let's talk about miscarriages. So first of all, we know that there's that stigma attached to miscarriages, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is one of the how do I put it? It's it's almost like an abomination to talk about it. Although mm-hmm. things are getting better now, people are speaking more about it. Yeah. But people don't really talk about it because I think it's shrouded in shame. Maybe because it's the woman who has it and then you are shamed and you think, Oh God, like I don't want to do it. So when I read about, you know, your miscarriages, am I correct? Yeah, 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 that's it's been two. <laughs> Not that I'm keeping count or you know, there's a tab I'm running, no. <laughs> but it's been two. <laughs> so let's just say we scarishes, yeah. So when when I read about it, I, I didn't know that part. Um so I or listened to the podcast and I know you shared something during Mother's Day about it and all that and I was saying, Oh, I didn't I didn't know that part, you know, and first of all, obviously I know I have said this for I'm sorry to hear that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's um i don't know why i'm laughing god no no no, no. i'm smiling so it's okay <laughs> see i just laugh. it sounds weird i'm sorry to hear about no 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 i i i i saw the sincerity in your comment and i didn't think anything yeah, you know about that. Yeah. yeah so um and we're glad we can laugh about no. it okay so first of all the first question i have is how do what well, well, i think you've answered it in a way how did you come to a point where you are able to share it on such a public platform, bearing in mind that the people who are going to read about it, one, are people who know you largely or are people you might be concerned that they might be thinking, oh, you know, one, and also family members would see it, okay? And also, you know, um, it's a very private thing, isn't it? Like, to talk about it. And I know you've talked about how, you know, you had therapy, how you had your surgeries and, you know, coming to that point. So... But talk us through, how did you come to the point where you thought, you know what, regardless of what people would say, because one of the things, and I think this is also a problem with me, and this is just a different topic, but, you know, like talking about grief and, you know, like my dad's death, you know, publicly, and because I talk about a lot about my dad, right? But I don't talk about the grief I have yeah. suffered because yeah. one, there are emotions still raw that are there. And whenever, and if I ever do share it, one of the things I don't like is pity. I know it oh, yeah. almost sounds like when you don't like pity, they think you're proud, yeah. but they're completely, they're completely different. different they're yeah. like, it's, it's just it's low level emotion. Don't even try that with anybody. Exactly. It's an emotion I don't need. So, you know, when you share something like that, and I looked at some of the comments, people would say, it is well, it is. If I In God's time, it, try again. <laughs> or people would be like, don't worry. I'm, you know, like, you know, because that's another thing that's so. <laughs> <laughs> and they mean well. So anyone who's put those platitudes, they, they, well, they all mean well. But you know, that there are so many strands to sharing such a public, um, such such a personal thing in on a public platform. So first of all, how did you come to that point? And can you also include how Taiwo felt about you sharing about it? Because obviously, even though it's the woman that might have the miscarriage, it is it's possible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> That's a very good question. And I'll start by saying that when you listen to somebody's miscarriage, however you feel about it, like the sadness you feel, mm-hmm. you should make you remember that miscarriage doesn't happen in isolation. It's something that affects us all because people that one in four people have suffered a pregnancy loss. That's a very high odd right there. I could, if I had that odd in Vegas, I'll keep, I'll be a gambler, like Kenny Rogers style, like real, real good. Now, think about the idea of testimonies in church. You come to talk about the things that have happened, right? 
Like yeah. you always hear the good stories. Nobody comes to say, God is I'm still waiting on God for this now. Yeah. So the idea to talk about my story before having kids was crazy. And it's not something that is, you know, acceptable out there in this, you know, social media, bring out your glossy pictures kind of world. Even my mom, whom I love and whom, you know, loves me dearly, told me, Don't talk about it yet until you have your kids. Yeah. But when I was in th- I was in therapy since twenty 20- I've been in th- therapy since twenty fourteen. And because that was when the first miscarriage happened. And I felt the release by God to talk about this whole thing in 2018, which was four years later. Yeah. And if I didn't feel the release by God, I wouldn't have done it because I knew he needed, I needed his help to, to hold on. Because what are people going to say, you know? Um, they're going to look at my husband and look at me and that pity and that, oh, yeah. Ah, apparently, they don't have it all, you know? I didn't really care much about that, but I wanted to be sure that I wasn't, and it had to be okay with Tyler, by the way, my husband, because I wasn't going to go out there if he said no. And so when when it happened in 2014, it happened in May in 2014. And my mom was going to come, you know, she was going to come right away to, before it happened, because she was planning to stay for a while to kind of help around. And so she still came anyway, because she wasn't going to cancel the flight. And then she came, there was no baby, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I couldn't grieve because I, I just completed my master's. I was doing my, I actually had my master's graduation that month as well i was you know getting ready for an internship in boston there were so many things that i was doing that that i was gonna yeah. do you know that I was almost like now i can finally get to rest and focus on the baby and yeah. all that kind of stuff and <laughs> it happened on a saturday and i bled for me- for almost the whole day i didn't i thought i was just gonna die because there's no way that i'm on top was coming out of somebody and you weren't gonna die yeah and I tried to hold it in, like you know, if you if you like maybe putting your legs together and con- and contract like um, co- like contracting your pelvic and hold it together, that cervix or whatever it was, it just it didn't hold on. It just came out of me. And so sorry, sorry for being a little bit raw, but I couldn't grieve because there's so many people's emotions I had to manage. My mom, especially my 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 husband, and I didn't know what was going on, so I kept it all in. But I remember in December. A friend had come to visit us. We were supposed to go for watch night service. It was a, a day to New Year. And I told them I wasn't going to go. I wanted to stay home. And I cried. I, there was a song that was playing in the background. Um, this um, Hobbit theme song, um, Bridge of Farewell. And I, just, and I think it was just God helping me. There was this animalistic sound that I released that I haven't yet to replicate it in my life. I didn't know where that sound came from. I could only think of it like a, a, an animal who had lost their you know, young one and and I think it was just God helping me grieve through it. But the battle was still, wasn't still over. For many years, I walked like a shell. You know, I, I just did things, but I wasn't always there. I felt like something was taken away from me. It wasn't like my child was lost. I didn't have a name for them. They were twins, by the way. I didn't have a name for them. I couldn't pick them out in the crowd. I didn't know who they were. There was no face to it. There was, no, there was nothing to them. So how do I articulate this grief that I was going through? And, and my mom, you know, being who she, who she is and which mother in the world want their children to go through that. She was like, don't think much about it. And that was her way of just making me feel better. But it actually made me feel worse because I had put those ultrasound pictures, put it on my wall in the room and she walked in, she was like, take that thing away. Like, it's not good. I don't want you to be looking at those things. So I felt like everything she was doing was to hurry me up. But in looking back now, that was just her way to not make me, you know, feel, cry a lot because, you know, I really and I told you I cried so much that I burst my eardrum. Like I still have ringing in my right ear from there. My left ear was always ringing, like for the longest time. But now my two ears ring. 
I cried one night so much that my ears just popped and they've never gotten back. So when when I got the idea to talk about it on show, <laughs> like I know that it took a while. I won't lie to you. Even after I hit that submit button on my podcast episode when I released it out, I wanted to take it all back. But I knew that who, the person who sent me, the message was more than me, the messenger. Yeah. And I wanted to show people that you can still go through all of these things and you can still rise above it. No, I'm not at the point where I feel like oh, I'm so over it. You never, your grief is never gonna end. But I found purpose in it. And if someone would tell me that one day I'll find purpose, I'll be like, no. Then when I was doing it, it was just to do it because God made me do it. But the freedom I have experienced and helping people else even navigate this issue, like, there's so much I have gained from this. And with Taiwo, when I finally told him that, hey, is it okay for us to share our story? He wasn't comfortable with it initially. So I had to wait until he was ready. Yeah. And he goes like, I think, and one day he said, I think it's okay for you to share. I know that when you write about stuff, when you talk about stuff, it helps you. It helps you with the release. So even though he's not like a creative, let's write a blog, I'm the one. But he, he saw that virtue in me and he saw that opportunity. I was like, just go for it. And I won't take any, any of it back. And I think, you know, also talking to him about his expectations. Now, when you grieve as a woman, family, pregnancy loss, you feel like it's all you, but your husband too lost the pregnancy, even though he's not the carrier of it. So in talking about his expectations, and it's all that he wouldn't want me to feel bad. So I had to let him know that I feel bad, that I feel so guilty because I have robbed you of this child, just of being a father. But at the same time, I had to listen to him and understand what, like, what his expectations were, like what was not, what, 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 what wasn't obtainable with this. So therapy has really helped me to kind of talk to him. So I advise women, talk to your spouse. You know, they're probably feeling away. It's not only you carrying it. Now, your husband might never really know what it's like. Like, sometimes I feel like they're not very sensitive to some things, but it's just who they are. But you carry them along and you express your frustration, express your regret. Don't bottle it all in. There's a point that I was so sure that my husband was blaming me for the miscarriage because I thought he just told me I was I didn't rest enough. You know, just the devil uses so many things. And he didn't, he never had that thought. But I was so sure he had that thought. But, and then so I said having a little bit of resentment because I felt like the way he would talk to me sometimes is because it's thinking, you know, that's kind of funny, funny things. So yeah, um, there's a whole life right there. And our life has, I think, we've gotten better for it because we, we communicate better now, you know, regarding that. And and yeah, it's painful. It's still something that is ongoing. And the last one I had was just two years ago. So these are still raw emotions. And But then, you know, life life really gets better with God. And so that's that's all I have to say about this, I think. That's so lovely. Thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> I hope that's not tears. No. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm recovering from the cold. <laughs> but if it is, it's okay. <laughs> I know, I know. No, okay. so I'm just trying to keep it all light. Um, no, that's really interesting that you say that because with grief, even though, like, what, what I was going to say, you know, like, when I talked about with my dad's grief, and everything they are completely different things and they are nowhere near comparable at all but that's the kind of grief that you know i know and i can't i can't even imagine like honestly it's it's a lot to deal with um so i'm really glad that you're able to talk about it and also hopefully help other people in one way or the other and you're right most people wouldn't share until they have um children because you know like when they say oh if you talk about something you don't know evil eye and everything so yeah, it has yeah. Jinx eye, it, yeah. 
finished everything so what else do you have to do? <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> yeah just whatever works for you really for me i knew i had to share before that was the assignment given to me by god not that everybody yeah. has to do my way just you know do what you need to do absolutely and the, i think the message here is one with god is majority of it all and you know i i can totally see god you know the way god has worked in your life in Taiwo's life as well and without god really like most things we would not be able to do it so i'm really glad you know listening to that as well i listened to the whole podcast as well and i think i listened to one with um i don't know who the friend was but she you know she shared about her own yes um, yes the stillbirth yeah well and that is just i know i know and you think yours was bad i don't know about trying to trade you know um suffering olympics and all that but some people yeah. really go, go at it really bad and you realize that huh you know your heart goes out to them and they're able to build that connection and exactly. it's a little bit of gratitude that comes with it that if this person can do it then i can too absolutely um so yeah no i remember listening to that it really made me sad um for the lady Sorry. so now let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about lighter things now <laughs> So there are two other topics I want to talk about. Well, let me talk about this is an interesting one because I have always wanted to ask about it. So first of all, and this concludes the first part of this two-part episode. To catch the remainder of the episode, check the podcast next Thursday because I will be releasing the second part of this discussion. Now you're probably wondering what else could be deeper. I mean, she's talked about marriage, relationship, infertility, pregnancy losses. I'll let your imagination run amok. But if you're curious to know, check out the podcast next Thursday for the concluding episode with Chiamaka. As always, thank you for listening. Take good care of yourself. And I remain your host, Mosible. Hey, listeners. This has been another episode of the Mosible Podcast. What do you think about today's episode? Do you have a question or feedback you'd love to provide? A suggestion for a future guest? We always love to get your feedback, so please do drop us a line via Instagram at Mosible or email us at talktomo at mosible.com. Your suggestion might just end up being featured on a future episode of the podcast. We cannot wait to hear back from you. Do visit our official website at www.mosible.com. That is www.mosibyl.com, where you can find our entire back catalog of episodes and amazing guests. Also, if you haven't already, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. Leave us a rating or review, as this helps us tremendously in growing this podcast and reaching more amazing listeners like you. We always appreciate your support. Thank you for always listening.